You are listening to You Heard It Here Second, episode 38. The podcast is produced every Monday night and airs every Tuesday morning. More information can be found on our website, derekandsteve.com. One thing I do a lot, too, is I'll start a sentence, and when I don't have the finisher, I'll just add an end, but. like and uh, but. Here, yeah. Derek, say something. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Derek and Steve present... Uh, I'll also let you speak to it a little bit because sure. he represented American athletes extremely poorly in yep. London. He looked gross and disgusting and didn't shave. Refused and... to shave. This looks like a sh- like a schmuck. Like this guy looks like an idiot. He hasn't shaved. He like looks like he smells like butt. He's wearing a t-shirt that's garbage. Not only is he a bad quarterback, he's a bad American now. He's just yeah. not representing America very well. You heard it here second. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode thirty-eight of You've Heard It Here Second. I'm Derek. This is Steve. Steve, what's harder to catch, a fly ball or a punt? Or a punt? Yes. Okay. At, at, at the professional level. This is an easy question for me. The punt is harder to catch. I agree. I agree. So, I don't understand the argument for fly ball because fly balls get muffed much less often than punts. I agree. And people aren't flying at you while you're trying to catch so, a fly so, ball. So, so the argument that I was having with the people I was having it with, we removed the element of game pressure just in general. What is it harder to catch? Which makes it a little closer, but I still say it's it's a punt. I think that might make it easier. You think a punt's easier to catch? So in general, if you take out the players and all you, you have to do yeah, is yeah, catch take the, out the object, players. yeah, it the should object be in baseball. Yeah, I mean, you have to move further to catch yeah. the ball, obviously, but it's a fly ball, so you assume yeah. you don't have to move very far. Yeah, I, th- I think the assumption is just on the pure like. The fly ball versus the punt. Like, remove, like, how far you have to go to get it and remove the pressure. It's Why in the world would a, a fly ball be harder? <laughs> I don't know. It's I, a punt. The, yeah. the ball's rotating, and it's not – you it's don't a, have a glove. That, that, was my, <laughs> <The ball's> that, <laughs> that was my That was my opinion on it as well, was that they're, if they're the same thing, basically, one of them is a much heavier ball that is not shaped like a, cir- a sphere, and it could be moving – it could be turning a bunch of different ways, and that for that reason, I think a punt's harder. I can't think of the argument for a fly ball's harder. I I I was throwing some arguments at me, but I don't remember. Maybe what they it's were. it makes you a little more nervous because you know it's harder, yeah. you know it's heavier. I, I think I think one of the arguments that I was given was someone who you, you pull you, off the street. Like I pull someone off the street who hasn't played baseball, hasn't played football. That's a fine because it, it, it's harder to judge a smaller Like if they've ball. never put a baseball glove on their hand. Yeah, and you, you know? kind of cover your field of vision yeah. with the glove a p- tiny for a tiny split second while the ball's right. above you. Right. Maybe. But. but my argument was still that if I'm pulling someone off the street who's never put on a baseball glove and they have the equivalent lack of experience in football, they're not going to catch a punt either. Yes, they're unathletic so. schmucks. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so, next question. That, that was... That was good. I didn't want to say what's up or how you doing or how's it going. I know. So I like the new. I like the new questions. A couple weeks in I, a row it makes me think because I always have to say I'm doing well, Derek, <laughs> and I always have the internal struggle of saying I'm doing good versus I'm doing well. Right, right. Because you know I'm doing good doesn't really make sense. Because Superman does good, <laughs> you do well. Exactly. So, oh. there we are. Well, I'm glad you mixed it up. <laughs> Episode thirty-eight. And uh, we have another standard episode for you. Uh, we were just talking off air. We're going to try to get something cool, hopefully, for next week. We'll maybe yeah, we're throw gonna, in a we're game gonna, or a, a prepared segment or something like that. We're going to brainstorm back to the roots. It was 
The Way first back. episode was a serial spoof. Yeah. Second episode was Sports Center spoof. So, yeah. and then no spoofs after that. Then we lost our spoof. <laughs> so we need to get the back to the roots. This is the back 30, to the spoofs. This is the thirty-sixth consecutive episode without a spoof, which is incredible. Yeah, when you think about when it, when we had when we were a hundred percent through two episodes, we were yeah, we were on we were trending. We were on pace. We were, to be, we were on pace to have thirty-eight spoofs at this point. You time. heard this spoof here second. <laughs> so. So be on but the yeah, lookout for spoofs. Be on the lookout next week. So I don't know first what period, we're going to do. First period, we have trivia. Second period, we have sports. Third period, we have TV. So it's very, very uh, TV well TV and defined. semi-pop culture because it's happening now, but also one's happening in the past. Right, right, right. Yeah. Exactly. So so we'll start with trivia. Do you want to start with trivia? Let's kick it this off. This is a fun trivia today. Okay. All right. So you want to go first or second? Oh, I get to pick again. You get to pick which clue you do. Uh, um, first. Okay. All right. Trivia, question number one. Clue number one. Clue number one, question number one, the same thing. <laughs> this person is a coal plant operator from Illinois who works 12-hour shifts. Wow, that narrows it down. So a coal plant operator from Illinois who works 12-hour shifts. Do you know it from that one clue? I don't think I do. All right. No. Number two, this person married his high school sweetheart, Heather, and he loves her very much. Also a great clue. Yeah. This person and Heather... Make a great couple. And he loves his wife. Clue number three. On Sunday night, this person was wearing an IZOD men's cable solid red one-fourth zip sweater. It's a good sweater. Okay, that is a very good sweater. And he was wearing it on Sunday night. So Hmm. that narrows down as well. So on Sunday night, he was wearing this IZOD red sweater. Clue number four. This person won the second 2016 presidential debate at Washington University on Sunday night. So this person won the debate. They won so the debate. So that narrows it down, to, or to, it should narrow yeah. it down. Right? Right. To very few select people. It's only a few people. At least, at most, 10. Yeah. At least. Maximum 10 people could have won that debate. Yeah. All right, and clue number five. In the past several days, he has been described as electric. And is the man behind the newly coined Bone Zone. <laughs> the Bone Zone. The is Bone correct. Zone. And that's none other than Kenneth Bone. Mother <laughs> Kenneth Bone. <laughs> the the man who stole the show on Sunday night at the debate. I don't know where this man came from. Neither do I. Neither and I do I. I don't usually love to just latch on to random pure love and or hate for stuff. <laughs> Like the Harambe thing is funny, but I'm not too into it. It's just pure. It, it's however much attention you give something is how popular it gets. This Kenneth Bone thing, I'm all in. I, I'm, I'm in. This is the I'm this in. dude's the man. This is unrivaled electricity. This guy, we're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna he play it for heat. you, but so yeah, he Un- does. He does, and, and I think this the best part about this is, like you said, this is out of nowhere. First of all, and like even being out of nowhere, like. I would have had I had no clue this guy was going to latch on like that this would catch on the way it has like like just absolute fire. I mean like we've we've like, seen things like this happen but not at this yeah, trajectory. No, not at all. Like Joe Kelly left this guy tickets to the Red Sox game last night. He's got like the entire internet is talking about him and it's like this was just this one dude who asked a question at the presidential debate. If you're this guy, Derek, hypothetical question. If you're this man, how hard do you ride this 
15 minutes of fame because he's not oh. going to be famous in a week. Oh, you have to write as hard as you can. You have to make yeah. as much money as possible. Yeah. It's, it's kind of... Get your way into like some sort of a, a gig on a TV show or... It's going to be crazy. He's yeah. got to... The next week of his are the most important five yeah. to 10 days of his life. Because if he can capitalize on it, it could be it could become longer term. Yeah. You know, you know, he, you know if, if he... <laughs> We're about to play the clip for you. If he talks like this about a bunch of other stuff, I think there's going to be some people oh, who man. will give him some money to do it. Bring, <laughs> bring him on, Derek. Let <laughs> so me hear here it. we go. Here's Ken Bone on Sunday night. One more question from Ken Bone about uh, energy policy. Ken? What steps will your energy policy take to meet our energy needs while at the same time remaining environmentally friendly and minimizing job loss for fossil power plant workers? Mr. Trump, two minutes. So I don't think audio does it justice. No, uh, you have to go look at him if you haven't seen him. Somehow, if you you've haven't seen, seen him. him, you've definitely seen him. Um, but if you missed him asking the question, you know, seeing the video makes it that much more powerful. I mean, velvet pipes. This velvet pipes. Wow, just like smooth. Just, just got un- it all going on. Uncanny. I mean, just unravel electricity. It's un- it's question about his own profession. Which is yes. overlooked, often yes. overlooked. He is talking about something close, near and dear to his heart. He's talking about something that will affect him personally. Yep. He gets down to the nitty gritty. Ken Bone. Ken Bone. Ken Bone. A man of the people. The Ken man Bone. of the people. The so. man of all the people. So we will we will have some more uh, Ken we'll, Bone. We'll, as we'll update he becomes... you on on Ken Bone and the Bone Zone, and once he officially announces his what president's his. Uh, his candidacy. His candidacy for president. I was about to ask you that. What percentage of the po- this is actually a serious question. It's what percentage of the popular vote do you think Ken Bone would get if he entered the presidential sad, race right sad, now? Sad, sad question. Sadder answer. I would say I hate to say it, but probably over three percent. I was I was thinking three percent. Three percent right uh, now. If it ended yeah. if it ended in three days. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, if the election was if the election was this week, honestly, it might be higher than three. If the election was this week, but, like if he push. literally like if the election was tomorrow and oh, he announced no, he was, you couldn't vote for him though. You couldn't. But I know. But what percentage of the U.S. population? What percentage of the U.S. population reads Barstool? Because that's the percentage that would vote for him. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Which is probably, I mean, I don't know. No, it's probably not three percent. It's probably not three percent. But it's it's probably up there. They. they yeah, I don't know. That's a good or, question. Or would read Barstool if there was a girl equivalent. Right. Or right. if there is a girl equivalent, I don't yeah. know. But, you know, I also wouldn't limit it to Barstool because he he's all over the internet, he's all not over. just Barstool. Yeah. But, I mean, the that's, Barstool I feel like that's the Barstool's fan would, base would, yeah. They would vote for Barstool's Ken Bone. Barstool's audience would be voting for Ken Bone. But, um, so, yeah, there you go. We'll be, we'll be back on Ken Bone if he has anything more interesting uh, to share with us over the next week or so. Uh, so, that's that for trivia. And we go into sports next. So, uh, lots of sports going on. We have, uh, you know, key early season football going on as well as the MLB playoffs and uh, a small college football footnote that we will touch about uh, mm-hmm. at the very end of this sports segment. So we'll start first with the bad news for me, um, the neutral or good news for Steve, that the Red, so- <laughs> the Red Sox are out of the playoffs. They're swept by the Cleveland Indians. Um, there is no silver lining for me to take uh, from this series. you got to be able to take Believe Land well, so- out of it. Oh, 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 I mean, yeah, from a Red Sox standpoint. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to try to find our clips from before. We were both high on Cleveland, you know, earlier in this season. Um, Cleveland is high on something else. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Red Sox get swept uh, three games. The the offense that was the number one offense in, ML, in Major League Baseball all season long 
can only ma- manufacture seven runs the entire series against Cleveland. Um, they, they just don't get the job done and they lose swept in three games. Um, you know, there's a lot that's going to be talked about with this. Uh, you know, people will blame and, and I, I no. can't blame them. They'll blame uh, Rick Porcello and David Price, who both pitch poorly. But like I said, often scored seven runs. So, I mean, you know, Porcello gives up four and in the how first many game. In the first game? He scored three. I, I mean, th- I think the final was 5-4 in the first game. Yeah. Uh, and then Price gives up, I think, five, four or five, and you, you only score uh, – oh, no, in game two you score zero. You get shut yeah. out 6 nothing. So, I mean, I know – I know this is a, not really a relevant argument, but if Price went out there and threw eight innings, and gave up one run, you still would have lost because you did, you couldn't yeah. even score. So, um, I, I can't put it all on the pitchers, but it, it's just it's it's on the team. I, I mean, the, the, this team stumbled into the playoffs after they had locked up the division. They didn't play for home field. They they thought the, home field didn't matter. The not and, playing for home field, I think, was the most important factor. I mean, kills, obviously, you can you can point to any single factor and say that's the reason, but it's really not. Yeah. But not having home field, going down 2-0, kills you. Yeah. It really does. In a three-game series, it yeah. kills you. Yeah, because, yeah. Or in a five-game, best you, of three series. you have to win this game at home. And, you know, either way. the And this happens to teams all the time, too. I feel like teams don't learn from this. When are teams going to learn that home field advantage matters? When will teams stop... So, so we, we we talked about this with with uh, during the NBA season between Golden State and San Antonio, right? San Antonio was resting players. Um, you know, I was okay with that once they were eliminated from catching Golden State, for example. You know, rest your players. Yeah. But when are teams going to realize that you can't just cruise at the end of the season and let your opponent get home field advantage on you and lose all your momentum? I mean, the, the Red Sox had won twelve straight games going into the you know the week that they clinched. And they just take their foot off the gas, and they lose all their offensive momentum. Did they do anything actively to like to rest players or to to, they, to not go so, for home field advantage? So here's, I I would say not over the top. They did rest some players. They they did. There was a couple games they had. You know, the day after they clinched, for example, they had the B squad out there. Yeah. Um, not consistently. It's not like they benched everyone. You know, the whole weekend. Here's where they here's where they went wrong, and this. And this will tie into the the other major story of the Red Sox being eliminated. The Red Sox final three games at uh, at Fenway of the season against the Blue Jays was a nonstop, over the top, excessive celebration of David Ortiz. It really David was. Ortiz was trotted around for three straight days. His face was mowed into he, the outfield. He, his yeah, I mean, I mean, so that that's that's with the festivities of the park, but I mean, he himself was just trotted around. Had to play the whole time because this is the celebration of David Ortiz, and you you know the interviews after the final game of the season, a team that clinched the playoffs five days earlier, was that Ortiz was just drained physically, mentally, just yeah. drained from all of that, and I completely blame Red Sox ownership for that because this is yeah okay you planned you know you marketed this to your fans obviously the Red Sox are 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 so notorious for the overmarketing in the last decade that it's ridiculous. They overmarketed everything and they overmarketed this last week this last weekend of the season for Ortiz. It That's almost fine. it almost felt like they didn't make the playoffs. It, exactly. It felt and like so, it wasn't the playoffs. So it you, felt like it the, was David Ortiz week. Exactly. And then the season and, was going to be over. And that would have been totally fine. They marketed that. And if the Red Sox didn't make the playoffs, by all means that's absolutely what they should have done and would have done and everything would have been fine. As soon as you clinch the playoffs I don't care if maybe you send a memo out to everyone that you're not going to do all the celebrations. Maybe you, 
in my mind, who cares? Like, I, I don't even care. Just tell the fans, whatever. Like, we made the playoffs. We're focused on that right now. And the, and Boston fans would respect that. Yes, Boston fans hated the fact that they were trotting Ortiz around there when when the, a guy who's forty years old and is your best hitter should be resting one of the last couple. And you're not of the season, going if you're not going for home field, like you said. But as a fan, you're not going to go enjoy those. Fe- you're not going to oh. not enjoy those festivities yeah, exactly. if they're there. Like exactly. you want to see David Price's last game. You want to yeah. get his autograph. You want to bid on his uh, whatever athletic gear. You yeah. want to see his face in the outfield. You want all this yeah. stuff. Yeah, that they're throwing at you in the final three games, and I agree. I didn't really think of it like that, but that would be major distracting, especially for baseball, which is so streaky, maybe the streakiest yes. of sports. Yeah, and if you lose your focus, especially at the beginning of well, playoffs, you're yeah. done. Yeah, I mean it's that, and it's the other players in the team. I mean, this offense in the last in the last series, they struggled through that. They got swept by the Blue Jays, and they they go in and they, you know, they crumble, and the offense can't hit anymore, and. I know Ortiz said that he was physically and mentally drained from all from him being trotted around with all these festivities, and, and you know it's understandable on his end. It's emotional. The last game of the year, they announced they're retiring his number. Like the, the, you retire you your number, you do that after he retires. Don't retire before the playoffs. Yeah. You're about to go into the playoffs, and this guy's been you know going through all this fanfare and festivities, and now before a game that you can win to clinch, before that game starts, you've now said announced to him unexpectedly that you're retiring his number. And Bef- now, and now he's Bef- going to go bat and before he's, go, he's done playing the yeah, game. It's before, ridiculous. Before he's done playing that game, that yeah. that day, and so now you know, for, you know, you have a couple of days off before the playoffs. But before that game, you announce you're retiring his number, and now he's going to go out there and at bat with a chance to clinch home field advantage, and he doesn't do it. And the other thing about that last game of the season was that the Red Sox had the chance to force Cleveland to play their makeup game against the Detroit Tigers, mm-hmm. a game they didn't end up having to make up because the Red Sox lost. If nothing else, besides home field, Cleveland would have had to fly to Detroit to play a makeup game. Maybe they use Andrew Miller for an inning. You know, then that whole plan for Francona goes out the window in game one. Simply just winning that game against the Blue Jays or any of those games against the Blue Jays. And Cleveland go has to finish their schedule, fly a little bit extra, and then come back and play right away to start the playoffs. Just all this stuff just mismanaged totally, I thought. And it's not just John Farrell. It's organizationally. That, that's the ownership that's doing all yeah. those fa- the festivities. And there was so much hype behind the Sox. They were yeah, so good. They yeah. were fire. Yeah. Their offense, at least, was. And then they finally the pitching started getting pitching. Around, and yeah. you, you started to see them as a dominant force. And then the Cleveland Indians, who, <laughs> yeah. who to take nothing away from them, had, an yeah. unbel- had a great season, one of, one of the better seasons they've had in years, and do have a stacked lineup and apparently really good pitchers, yeah. or at least clutch pitchers. So they pitch very well. Yeah. Um, and now you have to s- kind of change gears from this overpowering offense shut down pitchers to celebratory before yeah. the season's over like extreme celebratory yeah oh yeah exactly and then over the top. switch it back to extreme most important yeah. game you've ever played yeah it's, it's almost impossible to do it's like and that's what i mean with the marketing stuff is like that is that this ownership group has been criticized before they, they were criticized about the pablo sandoval signing rightly so because you know the second they sign this guy they're out there selling panda hats and at fenway park like yeah you, you know, it doesn't look like you just made this as a baseball move if you've already got panda hats ready to be sold the next day. Like, the marketing... You mean, are you saying that Tim Tebow's not a good baseball player and that he <laughs> Tim, shouldn't be on the Mets? Tim Tebow's another example of a marketing signing. And it's like these ownership signings have been... A lot of people have criticized the Red Sox in particular for them. And, you know, this is one of those things where... I'm sorry, if, if you're trotting this guy around for three straight days, it's mm-hmm. because it's because you have a marketing fetish that you want to have every fan get this piece of it that every single one of those three games you can sell for top dollar because there's some marquee David Ortiz show pony event that you're going to do that day and it's like I don't know 
I'd be curious to know if Ortiz had any say in any of that. Like, you know, he said that he was tired. Maybe he, maybe he agreed to it originally, and then it ended up being more draining than he thought. But it, I would love to know because if that was something that he didn't exactly want to want any part of, with like that much over the top celebration, then I mean, you know, hundred percent blame on ownership. I do put a lot of blame on. I, I like to blame the Red Sox for everything that ever happens <laughs> to them, but I do think David Ortiz is certainly not the person to want that kind of thing. Yeah, he at least understands. Why it's necessary. He yeah. loves the city. He wants to please everybody here. Yeah. But that being said, it's not. He would have certainly, if he was to pick well, how that would go, that's not how. It like I went. said, like I said, if they had missed the playoffs, he certainly would have had no problem with that. He he would have done as many things as they wanted because that's what the fans want. But I agree with you. There's no way that going into his last playoff run, his last chance to get a ring, that he wants to be, you know doing all these festivities in regular season games at the end of the season before you're about to start. So, so the silver lining to, to all of this, and and I want you to briefly touch on it because we've talked about the, yeah. the Sox and they're, I mean, we've talked about, we're, we're kicking a dead horse at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but the silver lining is Derek got to see in live Big Poppy's final, final game, game as a Red Sox. Final game. Uh, so I was there on I was there on uh, so Sunday. Give uh, us Monday give night. us the the two minute or one minute. Yeah. So review the of quick that review. Final game. The quick review. I said this before. I viewed it as a silver lining that if the Red Sox were to lose, which would suck for me, that I would see David Ortiz's last game. Not much of a silver lining. I'll be honest. It really, really? wasn't. Well, um, he, because they had to celebrate. So, so I mean, there was no. I mean, there. There's no planned celebration or anything for this, so I will say the end. I, I will say the very last moment was cool, um, in that the Red Sox had just lost, and you know the season's over, and the Indians are all on the field with their hats and they're celebrating, and the stadium is full. I mean, just full. Nobody's left their seats yet, and everyone's chanting, you know, we want Poppy, and I'm like, he's not coming out. Like they just, they just the season just ended. He's not yeah. coming out and giving a speech, and so. And I mean, I was I was about to leave, but just nobody around me was leaving. So we decided to just stay there for a few more minutes. And it was a solid 10 to 15 minutes that not a person left that stadium. And when I started to notice that nobody around the dugout was leaving, I, I assumed that, OK, somebody at the dugout would have had to have the decency to tell the fans he's not coming out if he wasn't coming back out. And so then after 15 minutes, he comes out and, you know, he, he didn't say anything. I didn't expect him to, but he just waved and kind of it was five minutes or so he was out there just there playing some some epic music or Sad something song, a little, yeah. it was, it was like some, like the champion song, like a trumpet song or something, you know? Um, it was cool. I, I mean, it was, it was a, it was an emotional, sad moment for the whole park, but, um, you know, it was not the silver lining I thought it would be, to be honest. Cause it's, you know, it's on a down note, you know, it's not the way he wanted to go out there and do that. And so you'd um, say for a bittersweet moment, it was still way more bitter than sweet. It was way more bitter than sweet. I, there, yeah, there really was no sweet to it because it's, it, it was, it was cool. It wasn't sweet. I mean, it was like, it was cool to see it. But <laughs> there's no, I want you to add that quote to the next one. It, it was cool. <laughs> it was cool, it wasn't, but it wasn't sweet. sweet. It wasn't sweet. <laughs> um, but yeah, there you go. So, um, so that's that Red Sox eliminated, Red Sox eliminated and David Ortiz career is over. Are you last question for you? Sure. What hundred percent chance that he stays retired? David Ortiz. Yeah. Oh no, I would say fifty percent. Fifty percent. I think there were quotes earlier this year that were. I think he'll come back, and I hate it. <laughs> I, it's, it's my least favorite. Thing. Well, and it's unfortunate too because I wouldn't hate it as much, and I wouldn't hate his guts if he like. I'm going to hate his guts if he comes back. Yeah. And I think everyone a lot should. of people. But it's because yeah. they do that. Tro- he, because you say you're going to retire yeah. the season well, before you do it now. Exactly. And you get this whole parade. If you come back, that's, you're definitely an that, asshole. That's why I kind of don't like the per, the whole fanfare of the last season because, like, it was, I, I agree with you, basically. So You can't come back. 
he could. He I obviously should. want. He almost, like, I obviously should. want him to come back. He's still the best hitter on the team. Exactly. Um, but I agree with you that he kind of can't. Like, That's like, why I say don't announce your. I, yeah. I think it shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. I think you shouldn't be able to. I don't know how you can enforce that. Yeah. But if you say I'm retired, you and you officially sign whatever statement, sign the papers, or, yeah, or say you you're going to do back. it. It's a ver. It's a it's a contract, yeah. and you can't yeah. come back. For at least that season, yeah. like Brett, I, I enjoyed the whole Brett, Fra- the Brett Favre, Favre thing. Going I got back so sick of the Brett Favre thing. Though. But if he would have not said that before the season, not a soul in the stadium would have said he retires this year. Oh not yeah, a oh person. no, no, no. Why no, would anyone yeah. ever suspect the best hitter, yeah. the highest on base yeah. percentage plus slugging yeah. in, the, in the majors, yeah, would not come back? Right, exactly. And, yeah. and he he's not just going to go. Oh, by the way, this is my final season. We <laughs> lost. We lost in the playoffs. So yeah. I'm out. Yeah, he would never have retired, but yeah. now he has to. Now yeah. he cannot come back. Yeah, because of this newfangled, we have to give everyone a celebratory yeah. circuit before they can retire. Yeah. And I, I, I like that you can that each team gets to pay their respects. I yeah. like that they yeah. get that really part, funky gifts, yeah. and everyone gets to ooh and ah over this person's final yeah. season. But it, it really puts it, this it, person into a stupid position it, it, that they could never come back from. And it it goes to show that this this phenomenon you're talking about, this might have this might bring it full circle and showing that there's no there's really no good side of it because you've we've seen a few other ones. We saw Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant's retirement tour was so dumb. I loved the, the, it. Though. It ruined I basketball. Loved it, it was so dumb. Like like the, like he was the worst player on the team, and, and the Lakers and, couldn't and they not play him, and they had to play him the whole game. Every and they time. lost. They won seventeen games. Yeah, they exactly. won seventeen so, games so, in an eighty-six so game season. It was brutal. And so at the time of that, you might have been saying, "Wow, this would be a really cool retirement tour if he was still sick. If he was great, you know." Yeah. That's what we just saw with David Ortiz, and and here we are saying, "Wow, that's really dumb." Now he can't they're come both, back. So now we know both, no both good, ends are dumb. Yeah, there's the no best good is the the Derek Jeter or the Mariano Rivera or Tim, well, I'm yeah. saying of, of the oh, oh, of yeah, the yeah, retirement yeah, tour yeah. where they're just okay. Yeah, you could maybe have them play another year. Yeah. You can sit yeah. them, whatever. It's just a yeah. you want them to kind of fade out and then have a big. This is my final yeah. year, and then do your last. Yeah, I don't know. We're gonna move on from this. It's just a, right. it's a weird phenomenon for me because it, it's. It's it's so weird to me that half these players are doing it and the other half are taking the opposite approach. Like Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett are two also two of the greatest players in NBA history, and they just retired like after the season. They're like, hey, I'm done. I'm and probably the two most different NBA players yeah. in, in, in yeah. NBA history. Yeah, they're total opposites <laughs> of each other. Yeah. So uh, so that's that. Um, let's here's see. A, here's a question yep. for you, and make it quick. Yep. Who would you rather have on your team for the entire length of their career, Kevin Garnett oh, or I Tim Duncan? Say. Well, I'm biased. I'm biased. The whole as a fan, wow, that's a tough question. Yes, I did it. I mean, I'm going to say Kevin Garnett wow. because I mean because I had him on my team. And, yeah, and so entertainment you, wise, you, Kevin Garnett's much. Do you bring athleticism and pure fire? Yeah, and and or maybe because that's just as valuable when five people are on the yeah, court is yeah. fire and passion. Or do you yeah. bring pure mechanics, like the purest mechanics, <laughs> most fundamental, predictable, well yeah. polished. <laughs> Center in NBA history. That yeah. Versus that a, a, above average. He was an above average player. Yeah. With pure heart and fire and desire yeah. that can carry yeah. a team with that kind of yeah. energy. It's that it's a that's a great question. I, I mean, like I said, I'm gonna take Garnett because just because I you know I was a huge fan of him and you know he's they're you're right they're so different and and Duncan's you know more dependable more reliable, but you know I think you're like you said the fire and the intensity. The what Kevin Garnett did to the Celtics locker room when he got here just sold me on it. I mean, I'm sure Tim Tim Duncan would have won championships anywhere he went, but 
Yeah, I'll, I'll take Garnett. It, that's such a tough question, though. And you're right. It's like Duncan was, you know, the best player in the league probably, and Garnett's pro- not quite as good as Duncan. You know, he's, he's he was he's Garnett's probably one of the best defensive players ever, but he was an above average offensive player. Just amazing heart and tenacity and intimidation, really. Yeah. And, but you know, so as a fan for the entertainment factor, I'll also tip the scale to Garnett. Cool. Well, the answer is Tim Duncan, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Tim Dun- I mean, the, the, That's the, the numbers speak answer. for themselves. Duncan yeah. won all the championships. Yeah. Uh, okay, moving on, and we'll, we'll just skim past them because it, it, they're kind of tedious at this point, but we'll we'll talk about them until it's extra important. But uh, Blue Jays versus Indians, ALCS, uh, Cleveland versus Toronto, which is actually a rematch of the NBA East Finals. Yep. Um, so Cleveland uh, Cavs versus Toronto Raptors. Um, who you got? I got the Blue Jays. Um, the Blue Jays are just ripping the cover off the ball, and I, I mean, th- this isn't sour grapes. I, I mean, the, the Indians are believe land. So, so the Indians have that. The, the Indians have the intangibles, a hundred percent. The Indians have a better manager. I think Francona is a phenomenal. Manager. He honestly, easily, and I don't want to go back to it, but I don't notice baseball managing very often. Yeah, I the way he pitched his best pitchers in the best spots and, and moved people around was. By far, better manage better management uh, management of those two baseball teams than Farrell oh, yeah. or Francona. Yeah, absolutely. and I don't ever notice manager moves. And, and I was watching the series, saying, "Wow, Farrell's getting out coached yeah. in baseball, which yeah. never happens." <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, and I have plenty of criticisms of Farrell, but I think it's a testament to Francona. Francona managed his pitchers extremely well I said in the it, series. You, you weirdly in the playoffs p- play baseball and manage baseball the way you would if it was MLB the show. Or MLB yeah. 2K12. You've got a lineup of three really good hitters coming up in the sixth. Pitch your best pitcher yeah. if, you, if you're up by one yeah. run. like Every inning is so important. It doesn't matter if you're pitching the sixth inning versus the ninth inning. Yeah. If you're, if you're guarding a lead, you know? Right. It, it blows my mind that they, they stat chase these yeah. saves or these holds. I, mm-hmm. I know that's not exactly what they're doing, but it yeah. should be much more fluid. And Francona kind of prove that yeah I mean I was at the game and it was the bottom of the fifth inning bottom of the fifth inning and when the Red Sox had their last out get made on them bottom five you're sitting there saying we're kind of screwed six inning on they can go Miller for two innings and Allen for two innings if they choose to do that and yeah. it's like oh that's that's against base that's baseball sacrilege why would you use your setup man and your closer for two innings each yeah like because they're the they, best pitchers in they, baseball they, they didn't end up doing that they only used Allen for one inning but it's like you're right I mean Francona had no fear to use his pitchers. He's like, hey, I won't be able to use these guys in game two, but and I have a chance to win game innings, one. And for Allen, I think, pitched one and a third, or, yeah. or he, he pitched over the inning. So it, it didn't yeah. come down to, got to get out of the eighth, so in the yeah. ninth we can use Cody right. Allen. Right. It was, no, let's bring we, in Cody we have Allen one right out now. Left. Let's get and out of the eighth. Yeah, let's get out of the eighth so, so can, Cody Allen can still pitch the and, ninth. And, and either way, we get to the ninth, and it's the bottom of the order. So yeah. it's like, yeah, Incredible. not being okay, scared. Sorry, moving on. I, I'm going to take uh, Cleveland. I'm I'm all in. I think Cleveland never Believe Land never loses another championship as long as we're alive. <laughs> the Browns make a comeback. Eleven and five Browns. Eleven this year. five Browns. It's possible. Um, okay, next Giants stay alive. Uh, game four is on tonight. Um, oh, oh, also we didn't mention that you're listening to this on Wednesday. So oh yeah, oh we're, yeah, we're doing this on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll, correct. You'll, correct. You'll be hearing this on Wednesday, we, we but didn't, we didn't mention that. By the time Wednesday comes around, um, you'll know who whether the Giants are eliminated or whether they they bring it to to two two. Which they will do because it's an even year. They're playing at home. 
and it's impossible for the Giants to lose when it's an even year. And this is all lined up because we already said the Cubs can't win it this year because you don't you don't reverse curses when you're expected to. And it's almost perfect. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about that another time, but uh, who you got in this series? Uh, well, now I'm going to take the Giants. Got to be the because, Giants. Yeah. Cool. Uh, next, we're going to move on to professional sports, uh, professional football, actually. Very short. Um, the one thing we want to talk about, besides Monday Night Football, my Bucks playing the worst football game ever played in the history of football by both teams. They should both receive a loss. Except for BC Wake Forest last year. Except for BC Wake Forest last year. But that's college, so you give it a pass. <laughs> Bucks come out on top. Aguayo misses two more field goals. He's now batting 500 on field goals for a second round a second round uh pick which was incredible. Anyway, Bucks win still alive 2 and 3, but the real story, Cowboys and Vikings. Vikings are the only undefeated team left. And I would like your opinion on the Vikings cuz I don't know what or why they're good. I mean, their defense is spectacular, but Defense is spectacular. What do they do with their their starting quarterback got injured, their starting star running back got injured? Their defense is is pretty much not in shambles. They have a great defense, but they've lost some the major pieces on defense. Yeah. And they're and they're starting wide receiver. They're there's yeah. um what's his name? Stefan Diggs, Diggs yeah. is injured and they yeah. still win yeah. these big games. How are they doing it? So first of all, it's with defense. Uh actually no, first, first of all, quickly, you know how I feel about the star running backs, and this is manifesting itself again. Adrian Peterson goes down and the team is no longer relying on a star running back and they're five and zero. Um Derek but Gates it's, it's starting running back. It's uh, I no I I'm gonna get to this when we get to the Cowboys that I I don't unilaterally hate star running backs. But um, <laughs> anyway, the the Vikings defense is is absurd. I, I mean, it's what we were saying a few weeks ago about the Broncos defense. Flip it all over right now. Yeah. It's the Vikings. The Vikings are the class defense of the NFL at this well, point. Well, the Vikings are not only because the thing they do is put up stats. They yeah. put up wow stats. They yeah. put up they sack stats. They score touchdowns. Yeah. They lay big hits. They, yeah. they pass defended interceptions. Broncos is stuff you can't really see unless yeah. it's a, a big pick for a touchdown or you don't really see Von Miller mm-hmm. get a sack every play, but he's in there every play. The Vikings, you can count on your hand, maybe two hands, how many sacks they get this game. It's pretty yeah. impressive, and, and they're they're doing it. I don't know, against every single offense they play. It's, yeah. it's not just right. a... It's, it's consistent. And, and tell them about Xavier Rhodes. Well, that's what I was tell just them about say. my boy. I was just going to say, Xavier Rhodes out of FSU, uh, I think third or fourth year cornerback now, and he, uh, third year, I think, and he, um, like you said, they're they're doing it with stats, with big plays, with sacks, touchdowns, and on the flip side, they're doing it with a piece of what the other standard you know, shutdown defense is, which is just a lockdown corner, and, and that's what and Xavier good, Rhodes is doing right now. He's shutting down every big receiver that he's facing, you know, I only know the last few weeks uh, as his totals. He shut down Kelvin Benjamin to zero catches uh, three weeks ago. Then he held OBJ to like uh, two, two for tops, three. Yeah. I think it was three catches for uh, 20-something yards. And then this week he holds DeAndre Hopkins to nothing in the first half. Hopkins ends up with five for like 50-something and a touchdown. So, I mean, he did score a touchdown. But these are the best receivers in the NFL. And, and Xavier Rhodes, who was not regarded as the best cornerback coming into the year, he was regarded as being good, is now – quickly becoming with like Josh Norman and Darrell Revis going by the wayside here. Xavier Rhodes is not even questionably the best cornerback in the league. And it happened. And we talked about this when we talked about him um, a few days ago, it happened exactly how you want it to happen. Mm -hmm. Drafted late first round, supposed to be good has a few pretty decent years. And then three years in, once they're fully developed, they have a feel for the defense They're They have chemistry with their defense. 
They've learned about the offenses they face. They finally become superstars. And that doesn't happen as often as it absolutely should. It needs to be developed, developed like first people who are supposed to be good, first and second round picks. I honestly want them all to do well. I want there to be very few busts. But there's a lot more busts, I feel, than successes. And Xavier Rhodes is a very nice example of one year, pretty good rookie, plays a bunch of games, not as as good as everyone hoped. Right. What do you think? He kind of fades away. Second year, people forget what year he is, has a good season, no one recognizes. Third year, he's supposed to be good. He's like developed finally, boom, becomes a superstar. And who knows if it'll last. Look at look at Norman now or, or OBJ. They, right, they, right. Fame comes and go and how good you are. Like Darrell Reeves getting torched every game. I mean, he's old, but it becomes you become a player that people think you are. And I think Xavier Rhodes is actually that player because he's had the perfect trajectory, in my opinion, of you get a few years under your belt. Yeah. You're supposed to be good anyway. You finally learn what you're supposed to learn. Now you start flourishing three years in. Perfect. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's, you know, that's the way you draw it up. And that's the way, to be honest, most of the Vikings defense has developed. Um, Anthony Barr, at linebacker, is the same type of guy. Yeah. You know, he was drafted high. He's developed in their system, and now he's very good. Um, they have a lot of guys like that, and you have to give credit to the Vikings. This is a team that hasn't gotten a lot of credit, you know, in in, in the last couple and of years. And even Teddy Bridgewater would probably have been in that same category yeah, now. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's not. Yeah. But they, they true. to their credit, which you've said before, they went out and picked up a good yeah, we starting talk, quarterback. We about uh, this. Uh, yeah. What we would not say a good quarterback before the season, but passable enough. Yeah. You put him on a good team, he'll get you a few wins, but put him on a great team, he'll get you a lot of wins. Yeah, so. exactly. And, you know, people might have criticized that move as well. Like, hey, why are you going to get Sam Bradford? You guys aren't contenders. Like, why would you give up a first-round pick for Sam Bradford? Well, yeah. And I Sam mean, Bradford's not that good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we sat here and said that Sam Bradford probably can't win a Super Bowl, but, I mean... I mean, we, he can't, but... I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah Fortunately. We've seen it. We've seen it before with defenses carrying you enough uh, that you can do it. So, uh, we'll see. But uh, Cowboys... Oh, and so then the Cowboys, the other, the other story to talk about as far as future of the NFL... They have what I think right now is, from a futures standpoint, the best quarterback running back duo in the league. I think that's probably not even questionable when you're talking about futures. Well, then let's just ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Do you ditch Romo? Do you finally do it? I do, yes. Or does Jerry Jones hang on to him and, and keep loving the Romo? I tr- I trade Romo if anyone wants him, first of all. I think there's got to be a team in the league like like Cleveland. Wouldn't that be perfect if the Browns got Tony Romo? <laughs> it can't I mean, happen. The, the, I, so, I mean, look— uh, they won't trade him because there's a you need some insurance there. I think ultimately they're just going to wait until he's ready and then make a decision because you don't need to decide right now. There's no reason to introduce that right now from inside their organization. But I don't know how if we're in the same spot that we are now when we're almost back in three weeks and the Cowboys are seven and one or six and two, you know, and Prescott's still not throwing a pick or he's not, or you know whatever he's doing. It's I mean, crazy you that cannot take that guy out. No turnovers is by far the most important he, he part. He did it. He finally turned it over, yeah. but he hasn't have a pick though. But still, no even even still, I'm just saying in general, yeah. no turn the uh, we we give game managers a lot of crap, game managing quarterbacks, but if you're on a good baseball team and you don't turn the ball over, you're going to win a lot of games. You're going to win yeah. a lot of games. It, it's I mean, look at look at Andrew Luck. Look why he sucks. Turns <laughs> the ball over all time. James yeah. Winston, they lose every time he turns the ball over. They don't turn it over. On Monday, they win the game. It's yeah. just turnover is turnovers are so important. And if you have a rookie quarterback not turning the ball over, mm-hmm. or at least don't turning it over once in five games, a rookie quarterback on the Cowboys, on the Cowboys, who are just funny. They they've always been just funny to watch, and uh, now now like they're just you've got to be a gunslinger on the Cowboys. Yeah, and he's 
He's not. Yeah. He's a very safe quarterback, and yeah. it's it's working. Yeah, and on the other side, Zeke Elliott is everything that they've expected him to be. Maybe the exception to the rule when we're talking about these running backs. I, I will readily admit that, that so far, number three overall is, is great value for what they're getting out of him. Granted, the Cowboys have a great offensive line, and, and One Al- of the best. Alfred Morris would probably be getting some yards on him too, but Elliott's just the explosiveness is off the charts with that kid. So, I mean, he, he's breaking off huge runs every game now, and, you know, that combo there, it, it, I'm going to sound crazy when I say this. If I was the Cowboys, I would strongly consider trading Des Bryant right now. I would because Des Bryant's not producing with Dak Prescott. I don't know if that's because that's not his style. Dak Prescott isn't a gunslinger down the sideline up for Des Bryant. You know, he's throwing a Cole Beasley underneath and he's, you know, he's, he's handing it off to Elliott and it doesn't look like Des Bryant is going to be used at the same, at the amount of value that he is in that offense. And I, I would trade him for defense right now. Trade him for defense or trade him for like a young, sick tight end. Yeah, a tight end would be great like too. Put, yeah. Like kind of mirror that team off of a, a young Patriots. Yeah. Like you don't need people streaking down the sidelines. Yeah. It's not you don't need Randy Brady, Moss. Randy Moss. Yeah. It's it's Brady and Edelman and and yeah. Jul- and uh Gronk. and Amendola. Yeah, right. And if you throw a Gronk in there or two Gronks, right, right. That's the offense they need. They need yeah. someone who can dunk down the field and make a good throw three years later to right. a to a stud wide yeah, receiver. Exactly. So that's just my that's my hot take, I guess. I would trade Des Bryant right now. So that's hot take. Um so anything else on Cowboys? My Vikings? last question yep. for you, and just say the answer. Are you in or out? Wentz, Carson Wentz for the for the Eagles. I'm in. Okay. I'm in. I'll be out. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh last topic. Let, let's ditch this topic. You want to just ditch it? Let's ditch it. But Boston I, I College do want to make a six to ten to Clemson. I do want to make a note that the Cubs hit pitchers have two home runs in this series against the Giants. Pitchers against Bumgardner and someone else really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and the batters have one home run and two RBIs. Wow. The Cubs pitchers have two home runs, six RBIs. Wow. Two home- Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Travis Wood and Jake Arrieta roping the ball. I did not know that. Launching That's balls. That's crazy. Yeah. It's it's incredible. Now now the Cubs because it reminded me because we just watched Cody Ross hit a home run. So now they have now the hitters have as many home runs as the pitchers, <laughs> which is pretty impressive. Right, right. So there you go. Uh, and we're skipping BC. Yeah, BC lost ten lost to Clemson. Yeah, everything they're, everything is they're, they're the everything worst. is not cool. Everything is not awesome. Correct. Uh, so that's it for sports. Go to the third period. We got some TV pop culture for you. Some new stuff. We got it. We got something some new, new for you. New stuff and some old stuff. So yeah. So we do new or old first. Let's do new first. New first. So, we're not going to. Here's how I'm going to describe this. Mm-hmm. We're not going to review this show. We're going to talk about it because I feel it is something that we've not watched before. We are we have we are currently two episodes into Westworld, which is the Game of Thrones nine o'clock Sunday night replacement on HBO. On HBO, written by J.J. Abrams, who also wrote Lost, who also wrote The Leftovers. So. Two shows that have a lot of unanswered questions, which makes me kind of scared because yep. Westworld is shaping up to be something similar to that. That being said, Westworld is a, a freaking rodeo. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I'm nervous to watch it. I the one the way I described it to you guys was after the first episode, I said, "I'm not sure if I want to finish it because I'm going to be questioning my reality after the show." <laughs> Yep. It's just so warped and twisted. It's going to get in way deeper than I think any oh, HBO even... show. It's already 
halfway there. Yeah. But it is going to get way deeper than any HBO show. And HBO gets pretty deep. They yeah. touch on some pretty harsh topics and they get pretty gritty. Yeah. This is going to get psychological. And I'm, I don't Very. know if I'm, I'm ready for it. I agree. I, 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 I agree. I, I feel weird <laughs> watching it. Um, yeah. It's, you can't stop watching it. You can't. Uh, so I think I would give that advice to anybody who's thinking about it. Um, you're in for a rodeo would be a good way to describe it. Um, it is very cool. It's a very cool concept. Um, it's very cool. It's a very, it's a, it's one of those concepts that I'm like, I couldn't have even thought of this for a show. Like I wouldn't like, you know, y- even before you watch it, somebody tells you the, like the, the well, two line pitch of the show. Well, and we can like, tell okay. them, let's tell them the concept is this. We won't give anything away because it's almost impossible to, because I don't even know what I I'm don't watching. Even know it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, almost like a Disney world that you can go visit. Yep. You have to leave at the end of the day, come back or come, come back in the morning, whatever. So it's a Disney world type environment, but it's a, it's a wild, wild west and you can do whatever the heck you want. Like like anything. Free reign. So the, the quote unquote robots or humanoids, whatever we're calling them, I think they're robots are there for your enjoyment. So they have human reactions. You can, you can talk to them. You can shop with them. You can go on adventure with them. You can shoot them, and they cry. You can, they they. It's just very. You yeah. if you wouldn't know they're robots if they didn't tell you. They're they're humans. You know, you know the, the, but they're sort of not even robot. They're like the they're sort of like describe them as like programmed like fake humans. Like like they they don't have robot. Like they're not like metal. Like you know. Yeah. Like they're just like a little they bit of skin blood, on top of metal. Like, they, like they're they, human yeah. flesh and everything, but they're they're fake they're created so in their program there's some terrible people who who come and do terrible things to these robots who have real reactions so you start feeling bad because they're they have human reactions mm-hmm. and the show's barely scratching the surface of, of the terrible yeah. terrible things that people will and can and will do to these robots and they're and the people behind the scenes are encouraging it. It's just like you feel dirty you watching can, it. Yeah, and you can see where the moral conflicts are going to continue to go yes. with this. I mean, like you said, with the robots feeling stuff, they're, you know, as you go forward, can they start remembering yeah. things? And so you know, the idea is they go to sleep every night. They wake up and they do the same things, but their their storylines are not linear, so they can branch off. Like if, if so someone dies who's supposed to talk to someone else, the other robot just continue, continues on with his day and... and yeah. They're programmed to be able to go outside of their script to a degree and then not go totally off the rails. And then the further you get away from the town, the dirtier and crazier the the quests get, and it's just crazy. It's yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's a, gonna. It's a very cool concept for and, a show. And that's us describing it without even mentioning the characters that are involved. That's so there's like also the, these characters that you care about and you you yeah. want to succeed. You want to the characters you hate. Yeah. Blah blah blah. But just as a pure idea, it's so new and, and inherently hard to, yeah. to taste. It's just gonna be gr- it's just gonna be real gritty, and I'm not. Yeah, and, I don't know and, if I'm ready for it. And everything we just described, like you said, we just described the setting of the show. So like, like think of a think of a normal show, and, and when you just describe the setting, like like I remember doing like assignments in English class where you describe the setting. It's like it's 1950 uh, in Boston. Okay, that's the setting. We just in 10 minutes described the setting. It's so hard. And that's all we've described is the setting of the, so of the show. The question becomes, Derek, do you recommend watching it? I do. Ooh, I do. That's good. I have the feeling, I think I recommend watching it, but it's also, you know, when you recommend something and you're kind of branded to it and people think yeah. of that thing. Yeah. Like if someone, 
like I remember I got recommended a book from one of my friends and the book was really gritty and kind of way yeah. something I would never recommend to someone. Yeah. Very good book. I loved it, but also kind of strange. You think why did they yeah. recommend that to me? Like is it is yeah. it me or them that yeah. that had the idea to recommend it? So anyway, <laughs> it's kind of that feeling. I want to I, recommend it to people and I want everyone to watch it, but I also don't want to say I condone this show. I, I think it's good and want you to watch it. I just think it's a feeling that everyone should kind of experience. Yeah. I don't know. It's only two I, episodes I, in. So I, I, don't know. I definitely agree. The, I recommend it on the pretense that like, this is the HBO nine o'clock show. Like I'm not the one breaking this to you. Like to, to make yeah. a TV show comparison. Like I recommend orphan black to people. We've done that. We've recommended it. to people. That's like something they don't know. It's like, Hey, yeah. Derek told me about this. I'm going to watch it. And like, I'm okay with that. Like, okay. Yeah. I yeah, told you put to watch my name that. behind that. Yeah. Westworld. I'm going on the pretense that I'm not like, the one who like broke this to them. It's yeah. it's big. It's HBO. It's like I put my feet so. in the water and tell you guys it's okay, yeah. guys. Like yeah. the water's fine. Right. Right. Even though it's not like, hey guys, let's all cannonball into the water. Yeah, this is like at your own risk. Like this is HBO's nine o'clock show. I think you can give it a shot. Yeah, but like I'm not the one who's like, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm, with I'm you. a pansy. It's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah. for me. So uh, so that's Westworld. Uh, maybe give it a maybe give it a watch if you want to. Maybe not. It's maybe totally not. Just do whatever you, you want. Yeah, up totally to up to you. Your life is your life. Apparently, who you knows? Ma- you make your choices, I think. I don't know. Do you make your choices or do you wake up every day and know, do the or same s- thing? Or, just, or someone programmed? Are your memories programmed? I don't know. Could you access your last build, please? <laughs> um, so that's that for Westworld. And now we'll go to another show that uh, aired recently. Awesome show. Um, Great show. We were, we we're going to review one episode of this show. Mm-hmm. That like we a, just like watched, an actual review. Like an actual episode review. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're probably on the edge of your seat wondering what show we're going to review and what mm-hmm. episode it's going to be. We are going to review Lost Season 1, Episode 2, which aired yeah. about uh, probably 10 years ago. Yeah, so if, if... Or 12 years ago. If you're just joining us on this podcast and didn't listen to the last one, we didn't review Episode 1, and we're not going to. We just would like to review Episode 2. Correct. Because we recently watched it, and it was good. Right. So, Derek, <laughs> the question I'll ask you is, wh- what do you think's going on with this show? <laughs> what is what are all these questions? I don't know, man. So 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 this who's plane your favorite crashed. character and who's this favorite Shannon ca- girl? Shannon, yeah. she's like this valley girl tanning while ever, other people are digging bodies out of plane wreckage. But then she's the key piece who can speak French. Now and, she can and speak French. She decodes this radio transmission that, uh, thanks to Said, we know has been playing for sixteen years. Yeah, sixteen years. This also radio Said. I don't know about that Said. I'm not character. sure either. Yeah. Said, so I'm kind of on Saeed's side only because it feels like Sawyer's the bad guy. I feel like Sawyer's the bad feels guy. Like, yeah. And they want you, but I also think they want you to think he's the bad guy. That's true. That's true. What that's about true. Kate? Kate is the actual criminal. Kate's maybe a bad guy. Yeah. But you, well, we didn't say no spoilers. So one thing. No spoilers. Oh, sorry. No spoilers. Kate, Actually, spoilers come. Spoilers well, ahead. Yeah, be sorry, careful. Sorry, there may yeah. be spoilers. Spoilers coming. Kate is the criminal. She's the one with the handcuffs on. Yeah. On the plane. But the thing is, she saves her guy. She puts the the plane mask over the air marshal who was. Arresting her or doing Very. like taking her to wherever she was going, so she's kind of nice. Who knows? Seems like she has a heart to save the guy, but it would have been smarter for her not to for her own personal interest. Yeah, I wonder so what crime she did. I have no clue. I have no clue. Huh. I and wonder the if polar, her name is even Kate. What about the polar bear? What do we think about the polar bear? That is a whole new can of worms. Why is there a polar bear in the in tropical, tropical environment? Island? Yeah, huh. I'm sure we'll get the answer to that. And do we uh, like later. Jack? Is Jack the the main character doctor? Do we like him or do we think he's a tryhard? I like Jack. I think. I think. He's one of those guys that I feel like maybe after a long time we'll start to feel like he's a tryhard. But I think for now I like him. He's providing a lot of good leadership. Gotcha. Um, huh. You know, they'd be in shambles without him. 
you know. Yeah. It's like it's like it's they'd, like they'd all be running around with their heads cut this off. Guy's doing everything. Without, but I like that him. the characters acknowledge that he's the trier. He's yeah, like he's, you, you're in charge, Doc. Yeah, you do yeah. whatever, Doc. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's Sawyer. So I think that was Sawyer who's giving yeah. him that giving him some. Do lip. you think Hurley will lose any weight on the island? I mean. He's you pretty would, big. You would think so, He's right? He's a big dude. You would think so. They're not going to be like super nourished on the island, so you would think you would lose weight. Yeah. Unless they like find a like underground stash of food or something. That would never happen. Yeah, no. They, they're on well, the I island. Mean, I know. I was just saying, like throwing a crazy idea out there. I yeah. mean, yeah. I don't like. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. Well, what do you think the recording means? Like, I mean, I can't yeah, wait to watch like, episode three. Like, yeah, it's like I'm I'm alone now. Like the the others are like they all died. What other people? Yeah, sixteen years ago? Yeah. What? Like that? That doesn't make any sense. And and how would you even survive on that island for sixteen years? How would you survive a plane crash? Well, how would that many true. people survive a plane crash? Where the plane tore in two, completely yeah. tore in half. Yeah. I don't know. That's all. That's another good question. Maybe they didn't. What if they? What if it's all a dream? What if they didn't survive? You know, that's a. I didn't even think of that. Maybe it's or maybe they're in like, purgatory. They could be. Yeah. They, they Whoa! Could they could have all died. They might have. This might. We might like. They'll very. Like when this all ends, the very last episode, maybe like the ending credits will just be like the plane washed up and everyone's dead. I bet the dog has something to do with it. I bet yeah, Vincent's Vincent, really important. Yeah, yeah, Vincent's the dog. He's cool. But I mean, like, yeah, I don't, dude. There's so much to. There, I mean, yeah, I don't know what's. Either I gotta way, watch episode three. Stay tuned yeah. for for uh, our review yeah. of another episode. Yeah. So there you go. Season one, episode Season two. Season one, episode lost. two, lost. Um, if that hopefully. Gets your gears going a little bit to, to go watch the show. In all seriousness, we did watch that episode. <laughs> Just like an hour ago. And it was so freaking good. It was so good. It reminded me. It, it reminded, reminded me, me how good the show was. Yeah. It, it reminded me for... And, and I've had this experience before. I mentioned to you, I've rewatched Lost a couple of times. And it it reminds me every time I do it. And it's been a while. This is this is the longest I've waited to watch it again. This was like more in high school that I rewatched it. Um it reminds me every time why I still love it, despite how, you know, all Much its I criticisms. It. Yeah. yeah, it's like the, the show, just like at its core, just like episode by episode, it's just a great show. It's well done. It's like it, like the whole package had its flaws, but it's... I'm trying to think of a comparison, yeah. kind of like The Night Of. Yeah. I mean, I liked how Night Of ended. Maybe True Detective Season 1. Sort of, yeah. You just enjoy... I, I, I still put Lost above that, I well, think. Well, duh, as far yeah. As, yeah. Lost is one of the best yeah. shows of all time. Yeah. But the idea that... In a vacuum, each show is so well yeah, done. Yeah, it's so well done. But and, Lost and, is yeah, and because I'll say even the Lost finale in a vacuum was great. I loved the finale episode yeah. itself. It's just like all if together. The, I wish the finale was the end of season the three. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I, know. Uh, I know. Oh well, we can talk about that all day. But yeah. let's let's move on to the final drive. The final drive. So I'll go first because I should, think the end of mine. You don't get to pick. I'm gonna pick though because the end of mine is gonna segue. You can into go yours. first. I'll go first. Um, so my final drive uh, this week. And I think it was Sunday night, maybe, or Monday night. I don't remember when it was. The Simpsons aired an episode where they go to Boston. And for those of you who missed it, you got to go watch it, especially if you're from Boston or if you have lived here for a while. Um, so many great references in that episode. Uh, it was, you know, the, the cartoon scenery there is right at Faneuil Hall. You know, everything looks very accurate and very um, comically displaced. Like, all the, all the brand names are swapped out. Uh, for something comparable in the background of Faneuil Hall, there's a you know where legal seafood is. There's just a big sign that says "Lawful Seafood," and it's it's just a, lots of stuff like that, just comically switching out brand names. Um, they rag on the on the Bruins a little bit, on the Patriots a little bit, on Gronk. They, there's a, there's literally a character that mocks Gronk, and his name is Bonk, and he's, <laughs> he's, number, he's number 78, not 87, and he's just dumb as rocks. And so 
that you know they, they mock a lot of it but they also they also talk good about boston a lot too so it's not just like a total you know dump fest on boston so it's it's great i would watch it and uh that segues me into my f- closing thoughts was that there was a great uh bruins reference on the way to a bruins game at in the simpsons episode and Bruins are starting up this week, and I'm excited about it. So I'll pass it to Steve for Ooh. a related final drive. Pass it on over, Derek. <laughs> My final drive, hockey season's back. Hockey season, baby. Um, I'm getting real excited for hockey season, and let me tell you why. It's the one sport that doesn't seem tainted yet. Most of the other sports seem to... Baseball a little bit, but baseball's just boring. Baseball keeps getting more boring and boring and boring. And football and basketball keep trying to keep themselves at the top is... is desperate as possible so basketball allows these super teams and they push individual players and they push these teams and rivalries that don't really exist and football is kind of in shambles with the the cheating scandals the people people hate the management people hate the bad teams the there's so many criminals on every team it's there's just bad press about football out the concussion thing so football is kind of suffering too Hockey's the last pure sport. At least, I, maybe I just don't know enough about it. Maybe there's all that kind of stuff going on anyway. There's less. There's not much. But it's fun. It's exciting. The Tampa Bay Lightning are good. They re-signed Steven Stamkos. Um, you never know what's going to happen with hockey. It really... That's true. And even though it's, it seems like it's not a basketball type, you need a star, and he, he wins you all these games because there's... How many people? 15, 25 people rotating uh, in and yeah, out? Yeah, 18 skaters and a couple goalies. Yeah, so 18 people rotating in and out. And they use them all. Some play more than yeah. others. But your team can be changed by one person having an unbelievable season, which is not – basketball basically is the only other – or a quarterback in football where that can happen. Um, so hockey's back. Everyone starts with a blank slate. I think if you've got a team to follow, start following them. Season starts in two days on the third – well, actually, season starts tomorrow. Yeah. Today, today for you guys listening. Some teams start um, today. the 12th. Some teams start today. Most teams start Thursday the 13th. Yep. Um, and so I would say if you can get in on the ground floor of your team now, if there's they're most likely going to make the playoffs because more than <laughs> half the teams do. So you can get real pumped up and watch maybe most likely your team make the playoffs and then, I don't know, enjoy hockey season. It really is a lot of fun. There's a lot of games. They're, they're on every night. And they're weirdly televised. Yeah, it's true. You too. don't really have to have some service to watch them. They're they're you could probably watch your team if, even if it's a mid-market low market team once a week on maybe twice a week on TV on any of these random channels, especially in the Northeast. So, that's my final drive. Hockey season starts t- today if you're listening. Get on board right now. Enjoy your team, enjoy a good sport. There you go. Get on board. Get on the ice. Still the still the fourth best sport. <laughs> but, but buy in now. But buy in now cuz it's still a good sport. <laughs> So that is it for episode 38 of You Heard It Here Second. Whew. And that's all we got. So That was a lot. That was a lot. That was a lot. We're just under an hour. So we'll close them up and we'll be back next week for episode 39. Hopefully next Monday. Hopefully not, next not Monday. Not Tuesday. Yeah, we hope so. We'll see you then. Later days.